Good morning, everyone, and welcome. Welcome again to Church Online. But boy, are we excited that we still have the opportunity and the privilege to be the church, to join together, and to know that even though I may be looking at a screen and you're looking at a screen, we are here together and we are worshiping our King. Wow, after last Sunday, that incredible reminder that we are worshiping our victorious Savior, Jesus Christ, who has risen from the grave. We, again, are so happy that you are here with us. Know that you can connect with us all week long via the emails or the website, which you are on right now if you're hearing me and seeing me. We have some great things planned for this service. We are so excited as we pick up a brand new bunch of sermons, new themes, and we are so excited for that. We want to also remind you, you're right there on the website. Please know that we have amazing children's leaders who have made videos for your children so you can connect right there through that page. And then also our youth. Our youth leader has videos and ways for you to connect all week long. So friends, again, thank you for being here. We want to say, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, don't forget, wherever this finds you, that every day is a gift from God, and we have reasons to count our blessings and rejoice in it. Well, we are also blessed by some amazing pastors in our county. They got together to pray over all of us, and here is the video. Will you join us in watching this, please? Heavenly Father, our whole world is hurting. The COVID-19 virus has affected us, men, women. Young and old. Normal life feels like it's unraveling. Many are anxious about their health, their finances, and their future. Business owners are agonizing over how they can keep their business. Workers are wondering if they'll still have a job. It all feels overwhelming. Loving and good, God. We know that you are with us. And draw near to those who are hurting. We pray that you would heal the sick. Who are struggling for their very lives. And protect those who are especially vulnerable to COVID-19. We pray that you will give strength to our government leaders, our law enforcement officers, our medical professionals, our teachers, our first responders, our mental health professionals, our social workers, our grocery and food providers, and all those offering essential services. We need to function as a community in this trying time. Holy Spirit, we need the wisdom, patience, and kindness that comes from you. We pray that you would encourage all who are battling depression, anxiety, and loneliness. Let peace abide in our homes. Let peace abide in our homes. Inspire our parents and grandparents who suddenly find themselves homeschooling. We pray that you would calm the anxious hearts and minds of our children who are wrestling with these questions about disease and death and their own personal safety. We pray that you would unify us as a community and help all of us to take our eyes off ourselves to lovingly care for and encourage each other, especially those who live near our homes. Today, we stand with our community and we offer ourselves to be a part of your loving work in Sonoma County. Give us your heart. Make us your hands and feet. In your heart, 
in Sonoma Valley, in Guerneville, in Bodega Bay, in Larkfield, in Healdsburg, in Windsor, in Santa Rosa, in Sebastian, in Kalina, in every part of Sonoma County. In this season, we remember you, Jesus. You reconciled the world to God. Through the cross, addressing all the brokenness and evil. The trauma and injustice. And every sin in our lives and our world. We are confident that death does not have the final word. The resurrected Christ has conquered the grave. We have hope for Sonoma County. For we know no present circumstance, no future events, no virus, no virus or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God from the love of God from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord we pray these things full of hope in his glorious name and the church in Sonoma County says amen 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 Amen. 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 Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that video. It was a lot of fun to make, and it was great to get together with other Sonoma County pastors and church leaders in prayer for our city and our county. Um, I want to give a shout out to Pastor Adam Peacock because he made that video. Uh, he invited us all to come together over at the Promise Center and, and uh, put that together, and it's a powerful testimony to God having the victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, here we are in week number five of Online Church. Uh, we had a wonderful Easter celebration last Sunday. We're going to start a brand new series today called All in the Family. Now, some of you remember, if you're old enough like me, to remember that uh, sitcom that came on with Archie Bunker and Edith, and those were the days. Uh, All in the Family just reminds us of we need to strengthen our families because we're going through a storm right now. We need to build relationships with those who matter most in our lives. And I know that uh, a lot of us are in shelter at, at home Uh, We have to stay in place, and we are spending more time with family members, not less time with family members. Um, I want to give you a little lighthearted humor as we go into uh, the next weeks of this COVID crisis. We hope and pray that it's going to end soon, that the restrictions are going to start lifting. But in the meantime, uh, just some lighthearted humor. Uh, Rapunzel, by the way, if you remember Rapunzel, she was quarantined. And that's where she met her Prince Charming. That's where she met her future husband. So think positively on that one. Um, Another thing about COVID-19 and all the hoarding of the toilet paper, here's the the reality. If you need 144 rolls of toilet paper to get you through the next three weeks, you probably should have been seeing a doctor well before this COVID crisis, right? Uh, So the other thing is uh, the reality is before the COVID crisis, uh, most every American said, oh, I just want to go home this weekend and veg out on the couch and binge watch Netflix. And now with the crisis, everybody's saying, I want to get outside and it's my God-given right and I'm going to touch anything I want. So it's like, wow, there's so much uh, going on with trying to handle life in this new reality of the COVID crisis. So today, 
I want you to start thinking about your home life situation. For many of you, you're spending more time at home with family members than you ever have before. You're in closer proximity with one another. Uh, and that reality means that you have to learn how to get along with people that maybe you have a hard time getting along with. Uh, maybe there's some friction there. And before the crisis hit and you had some friction, you had somewhere else you could go. But now you don't have somewhere else to go. So we need to learn how not just to get along and survive, but to flourish and to build our, fam our family relationships and, and to get through this storm together. Now, there is an interesting phenomenon that's on the dark side of this COVID crisis. Uh, I was talking with Hannah, one of our worship leaders, and her husband, Kevin, works in Rohnert Park. He says there's an increase in the number of domestic disturbance, violence calls in the last few weeks. Uh, we know that reality is true over America. Uh, there's a, a major increase in the number of stress and hotline and anxiety calls, suicide calls. Uh, alcohol consumption, they say, is up over 50% since the crisis started. So people are not all handling this crisis in a, in a great manner. And we don't want to be uh, falling into that camp. We want to be people of hope, where the peace of Christ rules our hearts, where the word of Christ dwells in us richly, and we want to learn how to do this better. So we're going to go to the words of Jesus. Um, if you want to ask the question... Uh, that as we go through this crisis together, there's basically two kinds of families. There are families that are falling apart, and there's families that are holding together and actually getting stronger through this crisis. I talked to a pastor the other day, and he said his marriage relationship with his wife is getting even better as they're spending more time together through this crisis. So you can go one way or another on how your family handles this crisis depending on your attitude and what you do with it. And I want to bring us to the words of Jesus as we do this. And before I do, I want to pray together. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So Lord, would you take your word and quicken it in our hearts today. Teach us, show us how to live life better, more like your son Jesus. Give us tools that, that we can use to strengthen our relationships with those we care about at home. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. We go to Jesus and his words at that very end on the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapter 7. You can follow along on the screen or you can look it up in your own Bible or your own flat screen, your device, if you have one of those. Um, the last words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he said this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, those are like floods, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and blew against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Did you see the, the words, the image that Jesus described? He, he described uh, forces that are coming against every single home. In this particular parable that he was telling, there's the force of the, of the winds and the rains 
and the floods uh, that, that came and beat against that house. And so we know that there are certain external forces that are attacking our families even today, uh, especially sheltered in place during this crisis. What are some of these external forces that are coming against and hitting every family? What are the kinds of storms attacking us uh, in these days? Well, the first storm is this. The first storm, number one, is the culture that you live in, the culture we live in. Paul described the culture in the last days, and he, he basically said, it, it, it's not a pretty picture, folks. He says, realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous. Let me just pause there and say, would you like to live in a home like this? No, that would be a terrible environment. Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so there are people... Uh, that are outside God's family and the culture that we live in, the kind of influence that is coming into our homes, perhaps the, the shows, the programs that are, we're watching, what are we bringing into our home? Well, you're bringing in a culture that is full of people who are lovers of themselves, full of selfishness. You know, it's true in a marriage. The marriage couples who are most devoted to self-fulfillment and you know the kind of marriage we're talking about, the kind of marriage that says, I married you so that you could make me happy. That would be a marriage based upon self-fulfillment. That's selfishness. Those marriages are the ones that are most in trouble today. Are you, um, are you arguing in your homes about what to watch together on TV? I know sometimes Lisa and I do that. You know, she has her chick flicks and I have my, my adventure movies and westerns and we have to come to an agreement because we don't always want to watch the same thing. Are you arguing about what to have for dinner? Are you arguing if you're even going to play a game together as a family? You can't even decide on what game to play. Well, that's, that's where selfishness comes in and we have to fight against that. There's uh, another uh, way culture attacks our family. Lovers of possessions, lover, people who are just greedy, more, more, more. Uh, ha, they're never content with what they have, and they always want more. People who are lovers of pleasure, where it says, my wants come first. Anytime you have a home filled with people saying, my wants come before anybody else's, that's going to be a home where there's going to be strife and conflict and disaster. So storm one, number one is the culture that we live in. Storm number two is the conflicts that we live with. Conflicts that we live in. Storm number two. Now, you're going to have conflicts in relationship. You can't help but have conflicts in relationship. Anytime you get two people, you're going to have more than one opinion. And eventually, you're going to uh, come to a point where you butt heads and you're not getting along. Now, why do you have conflicts in your relationships? Because God and His providential design, He made us all different. And that's a good thing most of the time until you get to this point of disagreement. So what are, what are some of the things that causes these conflicts that you live with, what, are the, what is the, at the root of the conflicts that we have to deal with in our home life, in our family, in our relationships? Well, James tells us. You go to James, this letter that he wrote in the New Testament, chapter 4 and verse 1, he says these words. He says, do you not know where your fights and quarrels come from? 
They come from your desires that are at war within you. You can see it up on the screen. Let me say it one more time. James is saying, you want to know where your conflicts come from? Do you not know where your fights and quarrels come from? They come from your desires that war within you. Growing up, um, we grew up in a family situation where we pretended that there really wasn't any conflict. Uh, my wife calls it the big, giant pink elephant in the room. Our family would dance around the pink elephant of whatever the issue or the disagreement was, and we pretended like it wasn't even there, and everybody got along. So we, we dealt with conflict by not talking about conflict. But everybody has a family of origin. Everybody has a background in, in the way that you were used to dealing with conflict. There's basically five different ways that people deal with conflict. If we come to the next slide, please. Five ways that people deal with conflict. Number one basically says my way, right? I'm right, you're wrong. My way or the highway. You know, you know where I find a lot of people that insist on my way? You know where you find them? On the highway. Because they're, they're not going <laughs> to stay together. People that insist on my way all the time generally don't have good relationships with other people because they're butting heads with other people all the time insisting on their right and everybody else is wrong. Second way people deal with conflict is no way. That would be my way of dealing with the conflict from my family. I just withdraw. You withdraw. You pull back. I don't want conflict. Conflict is bad. Conflict means there's strife. That makes, that, that makes my stomach turn. It gives me an ulcer, so I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to say I'm wrong. I don't want to say the other person is right necessarily, but I just don't want to deal with it. So there's no way. Then how about your way? You ever notice somebody like that where they, they always just give in? They don't necessarily really agree. They're, you're not really coming to a place of agreement and oneness, but the person just always gives in because they don't want to fight anymore. And then the last two are the best ways that we can deal with conflict, what we call the halfway. We win some, we lose some, right? You, have you ever thought about compromising? Is that word a, a swear word or a, a taboo word to you in the way you think about conflict? What do you mean compromise? If I'm right, then I'm right. Well, if that's the way you're thinking, then you might as well just say I'm going to have strife with, and bad relationships with everybody else all my life. You want to come to a point of halfway of compromise where sometimes you get, you're going to get your way and sometimes you're not. And then another way of is saying halfway is we can work it out together. We can talk about it. We can try to understand each other better. We can walk a, a mile in each other's shoes. That's what empathy is all about. We can try to say, can you please help me understand it from your viewpoint? Why do you feel so strongly about this? And then listen, right? James says it earlier. He says, where do your conflicts come from? From your own selfish desires. But you go back to chapter 1. And he says, listen to this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And if you're in a home filled with strife, everybody's usually slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. And James says that attitude, you'll never end up with the righteousness of God with that attitude. So storm number one is the culture you live in. Storm number two are the conflicts you live with. Storm number three are the crises you will live through. And how about the crises we're going through right now? Look at this. I, I love the encouragement that we have from God's word from Isaiah the prophet. He says, look, when you go through deep waters, he didn't say, well, some of you guys are going to have to. If you have to do this, then here's what to do. No, he says when. 
That means everybody's going to go through deep waters at some time in your life. When you go through these deep waters, God's promise is there. I will be with you. You remember Emmanuel coming to us at Christmas time, and you will call his name Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. So Jesus says, remember, Jesus, here, his promise in the parable is, on both the house, the one house that was built on the rock, the other house that was built on the sand, the rains came down, the floods rose, and the winds blew against both of those houses. One of them stood, and one of them came down with a great crash. I want to talk about what's the difference. Why did one of the houses stand and one of the houses fall with a great crash? And here's the answer. One of them had a solid foundation. So when the storms hit your family, when the storms hit your relationships, when the conflict rises as you're, as you're staying and spending more time together in this COVID-19 crisis, what are you going to do? You want to have a solid foundation. Does your family, does your home have a solid foundation? Look what the book of wisdom says so. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 3. Look at this verse. By wisdom, a house is built. Through understanding, it is established. And you want to know what wisdom is? Because there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. I should know. I major in knowledge. I minor in wisdom, right? I love collecting information, but putting it into practice in the right way, living it out in the right way, that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Jesus said it this way, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that's like the man who built his house on a rock. There's where wisdom comes in. Taking Jesus' words and not just saying, thank you very much, in one ear, out the other. My life doesn't change at all. I'm no different than I was before I read that scripture. It's like James says, it's like, uh, somebody who hears God's word and doesn't do anything about it. It's like looking in a mirror and then forgetting what you look like. So that's ridiculous. So have wisdom to hear Jesus's words and be willing to put them into practice. Now, how are we going to put Jesus' words into practice? How are we going to storm-proof your family? First thing you can do, this is next slide, is be a difficult person to offend. You know somebody who's easy to offend? I call them chip. You know, they always got a chip on their shoulder, right? You're walking around them on eggshells because you, you don't want to say the wrong thing because you know they're just about ready to go off. And you don't want to be the person that detonates that bomb, right? You don't want to light the fuse. So you want to be the kind of person that is very difficult to offend, right? God never said family would be easy. Jesus says these words in John 15 when he's talking about relationships with those who are closest to you. He says, love one another. And then he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Wow, did Jesus set the bar pretty high there? He wants us to love one another as the Lord Jesus loves us, not because we deserve it, not because we earned it, but because of his grace. So we need to extend grace to each other and not offend so easily. God never said that Christ-like change would come easily. I, I put up Ephesians because there's a, a, a primary chapter in the New Testament for husband-wife relationships, right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, respect your husbands. When you get down to the very end of the chapter, he says, so here's the summary of all of it. Husbands, love your wives as you, as you love yourself. And wives, 
respect your husbands. If you can do that, you can get a, your marriage relationship can get along a lot better. That would require Christ-like change. That's not going to come easily. You have to submit your will to the will of God. God never said your family would meet all your needs. Now, that's a myth coming out of society. You know, uh, you met the one true love of your life, and you're going to spend all the rest of your life together, and that person is, is going to meet 100% of all your relational needs. That is a lie. That is a myth. That is just not true at all. And anybody who's married about two weeks or less has discovered that. God never said your family would be easy, but who's the person who said he'd meet all your needs? You know who it is? It's God himself. Philippians 4.19, Paul says, My God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You need to develop, a, to develop a growing relationship with God and let God be your source. You realize that God never runs out of love. He never runs out of patience. He never runs out of energy. He never runs out of life and forgiveness and renewal and encouragement. God is your living source. And let him supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ. So be a difficult person to offend. Number two, learn how to bounce back. Learn how to bounce back. Now, I told a story in one of my uh, videos that I did uh, a couple of weeks ago. This is a, a great story. King David, he's fighting with his men. They're fighting against the Philistines. They finish the battle. They come back home to their, their place where they were living called Ziklag. And the way I describe this story is what a drag in Ziklag, right? Because they come back and the, and the town's burned to the ground. All their wives and children are stolen away. All their livestock is stolen away and nobody knows what happened to them. And it says all the men who were the warriors from the fight, they just sat down and they wept. They wept until they couldn't weep anymore. And then they got up from their weeping and they looked to David. And the Bible says that they were about ready to stone David to death. You let us out into battle. We, abandoned, we, we left our families. Now our families are gone. And we come back, David, you're responsible for this. We're going to stone you to death. And you know what it says? But David found strength in the Lord his God. David learned how to bounce back because he went to the right source for strength. He says, God, I'm in a crisis. I'm in an emergency situation, far worse than what we're going through with COVID-19. And David's found strength in the Lord, his God. We need to find strength. You need to find strength in the Lord, your God. When you're facing a storm, you need to go to God in that storm and find your strength in him. So learn how to bounce back. Number three, be quick to forgive. Sometimes people are quick to offend. You never notice somebody like that? The minute you say something that gets taken the wrong way or, or an off-color remark or just something where you weren't even intending to uh, offend that person. They just get offended so easy. Don't be one of those persons. Be quick to forgive. When you're living in home with somebody, if you're going to have a harmonious home life with other family members, you, the family members all have to be forgivers because we are going to be hurt and we're going to be offended. Look what it says in Ephesians. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, I think you ought to take that slide or you ought to take that verse, jot down Ephesians 4.32. You ought to make a little poster of it and put it on the refrigerator in your home, especially at least until this COVID-19 crisis is over. And it will be over. God will lead us out of it eventually. 
But in the meantime, we have to be kind, compassionate. We have to be willing to forgive. Why? Because God in Christ has forgiven us. We forgive others because God has first forgiven us. Never forget that. He, Jesus never tells you to do something that, that he hasn't done for you first, right? He forgave you. And remember last when he was going to the cross, even on Good Friday, and I did that Devo, one of the things he kept saying was, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. He forgave us, and he says, you pass on that forgiveness to people who have hurt you. So number three, be quick to forgive. And number four, be rooted in love. Be rooted in love. Let love be the foundation of your home, right? You go to 1 Corinthians 13, you say, oh, that Jim, that's that's the verse for weddings. I mean, isn't that the one they read at every wedding when a groom and a bride stand there and they talk about love? And of course, they're feeling love for each other. They haven't been married yet. They haven't lived together for a while yet. They haven't understood what it means to mess up and to say the wrong thing at the wrong time and, and, and do things that offend each other. Be rooted in love. Love is patient. Love is kind. This is true for for all families and relationships, whoever you're living with in a housing situation, if you practice this, you can, you can have a lot more love and harmony in your home. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It, do, it isn't proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Remember that thing? Be difficult to offend, Right? Um, it keeps no record of wrongs. Keeping a record of wrongs, that's where resentment comes in. That's where bitterness comes in. And, and that's a poison. That's a poison in your own life. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. If you're rooted in love with God as your source, you're going to be able to forgive you're going to be able to not be offended. You're going to be able to get along better with your family members, and your home is going to be blessed. There's two reminders for every family as we go through this, as we close. Two reminders. Number one is that God Almighty, He's the sovereign one. It's Him, it's him who arranged all this thing in your life. The, way you were, the place you were born, the family you were, family you were born into, when you choose to be together with somebody in a marriage relationship, God is the one who's put to you together in His sovereignty, right? And if you remember that, say, okay, God, if you put us together this way, we need to learn how to get along better. We need to learn how to love one another better, to honor you. Because when a family honors God, when they, they get along better, when a husband loves his wife, when a wife loves and respects her husband, that is a visible reflection of the love that Christ has for the church. It's an awesome thing. God has put you together, and therefore, everything you say and do, it matters. Your daily choices matter because your family choices will echo down for generations. Lisa and I, we both come from divorced homes. Lisa's parents were divorced in the 70s. My parents were divorced in the 70s. We were both in our teenage years. When we got married, Lisa and I both agreed, we need to be the ones that break the cycle of divorce. We need to break that chain. We need to start a new tradition of family marriage that stay together, that stay together for life. And so far, 36 years later, we're doing it by the grace of God. Therefore, Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man 
who built his house on the rock. By wisdom, a house is built. Proverbs 24. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, they beat against that house, yet it did not fall. That house didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Do you have your foundation on the rock? Do you know what Jesus is talking about when he says, have the foundation of your life on the rock? It means to center your life on Jesus, center your life on him and his teachings. Look what Jesus says in John's gospel. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged. He will not be condemned. Why? Because he's believed in Jesus. And when he believed in Jesus, he is crossed over from death to life. Hearing Jesus' words, believing him, that's the first step of putting Jesus' words into practice, the first step of learning wisdom from God. And the greatest wisdom that you can ever learn from God is to follow his son, Jesus, to realize that you can't save yourself, to realize that you can't live a life perfect and pleasing to God all on your own. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God sent Jesus to be the Savior for us. He wants us to put our trust in Jesus and start following Him, learning at His feet, learning His manner of life and imitating that. And when we do, we're going to live a blessed life. If that's the life that you want and you're ready to follow Jesus' words, to believe Him who sent Jesus I invite you to pray with me right now. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we realize that you came to the earth, you came to this world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through you. You also said that God loves us so much, that's why he sent you, that whoever believes in you will not perish, but have eternal life. Lord, we want to have wisdom in our lives. We want to learn what it means to know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, so, Lord, we bow at your feet today. We humble ourselves. We say, God, you be the leader of my life. I will be the follower. I commit my life to you. I invite you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life. Forgive me of all the sins and wrongdoings I've ever done, Lord. Forgive me and fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me from the inside out to live the kind of life that pleases you. Lord, we want our family relationships to be harmonious, not full of conflict. We want to learn that if every family member follows you, then we will be loving each other. We'll be forgiving each other. We will not be offended by each other. We will learn how to get along in such a way where you are magnified and glorified and we are blessed. So I pray, Lord, we'll do all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen.